This week on Full Time Roundup, absolute chaos in London. The La Liga race takes an unexpected twist. Bayern Cruz and Dirk Klassiker and Inter extend their lead atop Syria A. Plus, MLS loses some big teams early. Full Time Roundup starts right now. And welcome into another edition of the Full Time Roundup. I am Matt Gesslin, as always, joined by my good co-host Daniel Brackett here. Daniel, it was an emotional weekend. It was a hard-fought weekend, capped off today by an absolute classic slash absolutely wild game in the Premier League. But more importantly, and first of all, how was your weekend? How are we doing? I don't remember you saying that you were going anywhere this weekend, so it sounds like you're in the QC. Uh, I'm sure that's a little disappointing to some of our listeners, but uh, how, what what are we feeling on this Monday? Um, feeling probably a little bit better than you. I know you needed a lift with this Chelsea game, so glad you were able to get that because it's not fun to kick a dead dog. So um, glad glad your team got the victory after a, a probably a pretty brutal Sunday. Um, but yeah, no, I had a good weekend, a lot of rest, so was not traveling like you said. So it was good to save some money and just enjoy the games from the couch. But uh, how are you doing? Uh, well, it sounds like I'm much better than you were um, when we were texting yesterday. Of course, uh, I'm not getting out of bed anytime soon. It was what uh, I was told by yourself after a rowdy Saturday. Uh, <laughs> yes, I had a, a long drive ahead of me and an eventful game in the USL one final, which we'll definitely get to. And uh, we'll, we'll give our listeners what the bet ended up being. Although I think we had mentioned it being dinner last time. So spoiler alert, there you go. Uh, yeah, but everything else other than that was good. And it was a you know really hard fought match and great environment. Uh, Raleigh showed up hard for NCFC and uh, but all in all, it was a good, a good, uh, a good weekend, had some fun on Friday and, uh, you know, then got to watch some games Saturday and then uh, got to watch, like I said, a, a great one today. And um, Daniel, that's that's where I want to start us off. Uh, Premier League just got kind of flipped on its head a little bit this afternoon. Uh, not only did Spurs lose four to one uh, and we'll get to the scoreline. I don't think the scoreline is indicative of the game. Um, but more importantly, I think from a Spurs perspective, you have to be a little bit concerned. Uh, we don't know the extent of the injuries, but two key players get injured in uh, Van Der Ven and, and James Madison. And then, of course, you have a red card um, for, for Romero, who looks like that's going to be a three-game ban. Um, so you're looking at, you know, arguably three of your starters. Um, how does this impact Spurs? And that's what we were concerned about from them. their perspective was everything was smooth sailing uh, up to this point. Clean sheets, winning games, no one hurt, and all of a sudden all that goes to pot in one in one afternoon or one evening in London. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, the good news is, well, I guess the good news is Udogi only misses one game because it was two yellows. Um, Romero will be suspended for, for three, um, which which definitely hurts because Eric Dyer isn't, isn't the best player in the world. Um, and then once we kind of hear more about the Van de Ven and James Madison injuries, as we'll kind of define um, how Spurs are going to kind of rebound from this. But I, I did text a buddy and I did say, Hey, in within 20 minutes in this premier league season, Tottenham might've kind of just lost, 
lost a lot of momentum here um, for them to kind of push top three. And I mean, they've, they've been perfect so far. So this, this game had a lot of shades of the Liverpool Tottenham game um, in, in terms of just like really weird VAR decisions, just kind of hectic all over the place play. And, and then, you know, Tottenham almost equalized um, down two men. So it was, it was a weird, weird uh, Monday game. Very strange, absolutely wild fixture. Um, like you said, from the jump and uh, the, the red card, obviously that you know Spurs score within the first five minutes, a great goal. Uh, credit to them. Although a little bit of a lucky deflection off uh, Levi Colwell, which which ends up in the back of the net. Not really much of a chance for for Robert Sanchez on that one. And then, like you said, the red cards start coming out, and that's when the game changed. And um, you're looking at. I think it was 12 minutes of stoppage time in the first half and then nine minutes in the second half. So, you know, all in all, it's a, it's a wild game. I think from a Spurs perspective, scoreline, you throw it out the window, right? That's not really something that you expected. Uh, you know, you're kind of looking at this as, and they played well. They still had chances, like you said, at 2-1. Um, you know, Betancourt could have tied it up and then we go right down the field and, and score three one and that's kind of game over. So uh so I would say if you're if you're asking me who I think had the better night, I would say still Spurs, which is crazy to sound. But you know, Chelsea looked really uncertain in the back. You know, you're down to nine men and Spurs are still getting quality top a chances against your defense. And not only that, but you go up against Manchester City next week, who scored six this past weekend so that's to me a concern now of course we touched on it already the the concern from a spurs fan is injuries if those guys are not healthy for an extended period of time that's bigger concern long term but i think if you're if you're Ange post you look at tonight and say you know what we played well um the the outcome and the the circumstance was out of our control and um it's a, it's a weird one but um yeah from from my perspective Again, Chelsea needed this win. They move up to 10th. They absolutely had to have it, especially when they went up by two men. If they didn't have that um, and they didn't get the points, it would have been real, real chaos and real problems and, and a lot of questions about um, Mauricio Pochettino. And and like I said, they go up against City, who scored six. And um, Daniel, they they looked to be clearly the title contenders that we expected them to be and uh, added some pieces that you know not really many people had spoken about or weren't too sure how he was going to fit into it. But boy, the Jeremy Doku looked like he fit right in with this Manchester City lineup on Saturday. Yeah, he's a, a lightning in a bottle, as you say. And I, I remember scouting him um, a year or two back because he was linked with Liverpool to be Mane's replacement at one point or another. And I mean, this kid's this kid's unbelievable. And um, I knew he'd fit right in the Premier League when there was a video uh, when he was at Anderlecht and uh, he was 16 years old at the time, maybe 17. And it's him versus Vincent Company. And he's absolutely standing his ground against Vincent Company as a 16, 17 year old kid who has probably 100 pounds lighter than a Mazak man. This kid's just an unbelievable athlete. And he, he, like Pep's very robotic teams at times, but he brings an element of just mercurial, you know, like just can do anything at any time and completely break down the low block. And that's exactly what happened. And he ended up getting four assists because of it. So not much. I mean, Bournemouth were really bad. Um, so I guess you can't, you can't understate that. You can't press city like that. They'll just pick you apart and like they did. So some of these uh, champion or lower 
level Premier League teams aren't just pragmatic and they just are stuck in their ways of how they play. And uh, you're going to see score lines like this if, if people or if teams keep it up like this. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, just kind of his ability to, to break that low block. And you have a player like Jack Grealish, who they spent 100 million pounds on as well, who, uh, you know, sitting on the bench and watching Doku kind of just dismantle this team and, and get a goal and four assists that you mentioned. So how does he kind of fit into the fold? We know Pep loves to give players that are either in form or doing well in practice the opportunity. So how does Grealish get back in the lineup? Same with a Phil Foden who obviously came off the bench and got a goal. Uh, so, you know, he got a little bit of playing time. So it's a, it's a good problem to be and a good place to be. If you're a Manchester city fan, of course, Kevin De Bruyne was in the line in the, not in the lineup. That would be fantastic. He was in the stadium watching and it seems like he's getting close to coming back too. So um, all in all, pretty good time to be atop the table as they are uh, Manchester city. And, you know, one of those, one of these uh, months, or as we get closer to the end of the season, they're going to put a run together like they always do. And the question that we've been talking about, Daniel, is is whether or not some of these teams can keep it close before City goes on this run. And uh, now that they sit atop the table, it's almost kind of inevitable that they're going to start separating themselves and and kind of get away from it. And one of the teams that really was on our mind, and, and I know is close to your heart, that we've been talking about is Liverpool, who who get a draw at Luton and really kind of. I don't say it ends their title hopes, but like we just talked about, if you're giving City an opportunity to get a little bit of distance on you, makes things a little bit harder to play catch up. And uh, any thoughts on, on obviously a tough a tough night for your team and, and a really tough environment? Um, you know, we've we did say watch out for Luton if you go there, but not to really you know really catch anybody. But um, they caught somebody. Uh, it wasn't three points, but it was a, a big a big loss of two points for Liverpool in this one. Credit to Luton. Um, they played really well. Their keeper, especially, had a had a fantastic game. Um, so sorry, can you hear me? Okay, cool. Um, so they had a they had a great game, and Liverpool just did not finish their chances. And and I've spoken with with some of my my fellow Liverpool fans, and and one thing that has concerned me, even though we've been winning pretty well, is we we miss a lot of a lot of chances we our conversion rate isn't kind of where it should and and this was kind of the match to for it all to see i mean most law has a good header doesn't get it but kind of crosses it almost to darwin and darwin just blows it over from from five yards which should be a tap in and we've seen him do that a couple times now he's still a fantastic player and and i'm not worried about him at all but these are kind of the matches that you look back when when city wins the league and kind of kicking yourself a little bit. So pretty bummed. Glad we responded um, with the late goal by Luis Diaz. And, I mean, that's what, what football is all about after what he's been through to get that goal and, you know, pull up the shirt and not get fined for that. So credit to credit to Premier League for doing that. And, you know, we'll, we go again um, midweek, and I'm sure there's going to be a pretty big response uh, from Liverpool in the next couple games. Yeah, you mentioned that midweek. We'll touch on that uh, as we get later in the show with with Europa and Champions League coming back. And, of course, two teams, Daniel, that play in the Champions League this week as well that had – I thought if we thought today was crazy, there was a game on Saturday that kind of had some chaos in it as well. Of course, Mm -hmm. we're talking about Arsenal and Newcastle and the whole debacle with uh, Anthony Gordon's goal and whether that was a goal. Of course, Arteta coming out and saying it's a disgrace, an embarrassment. You could put any adjective you want in there. Uh, what was your take on this one? And honestly, up until that point, it was a 
a fun watch as a neutral back and forth, um, you know, up and down the pitch and, and both teams had their chance. And then of course, uh, you know, some, some have said it was a foul. Some have said it wasn't a foul, but there was obviously more, more at stake and more that played into that, what, you know, the offsides and out about just what was your thought on the whole situation uh, that led to Arsenal losing three points on Saturday? Yeah. I mean, you'd think being the biggest um, league in the world that they'd kind of have something to solve if the knowing if the ball went out of play as well as, you know, the offside rule can be pretty sketchy with drawing lines. So if we're going to use this technology. We got to use the full capacity of it. Um, but, you yeah, know, I, I kind of like Newcastle in this game just because they're at home and, and Arsenal haven't been com- completely convincing. Um, but it was a hard fought, scrappy, scrappy Newcastle win. Um, Eddie, Ta- Eddie Howe has got, got the boys believing for sure. And, uh, you know, these these managers and these players make such a big deal out of these things because when you have a team like Manchester City that you have to chase, you have to be perfect. And that's why I feel like you're seeing more and more coaches rant and rave about things because every single point matters when you have a near-perfect side like Manchester City. So that's kind of – I feel like that's the perspective I took on this game. And, you know, Arsenal probably will be a little upset that they didn't get at least a point here, but – at the end of the day, that's football. Yeah, I have an interesting take on it. I think, um, and, and it has nothing to do with Arteta, who I'm not. I've said on this pod before. I'm not a huge fan of not necessarily his his coaching, but just his antics and personality and the way he approaches things. I think there's something that's being overshadowed a little bit, and that's and that's just kind of the antics around it all, right? If something doesn't go your way, we've seen it with Klopp and we've seen it with Pep and his testiness with the with the reporters in the past. And um there's something to it, right? And I think bigger context too, we're losing sight of things as an institution in different levels. And these guys, these re- these refs, these these the VAR is a different story. Um of course, you know, if you look at actually the the data and the stats of VAR, it's getting a lot of calls right. Um, it's getting a lot of the the big calls right. If you look at what happened in 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 the FA Cup or EFL Cup uh, this past weekend, where there was no VAR and some of the calls there that would have changed had VAR been in place. So I think what I'm getting at is that we have to look and, and make sure that we're understanding that the referees are there to ref the game, the rules of the game. They're not there for one team to 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 dominate or to you know make calls on behalf of one team or the other they're they're making calls and and let's take aside whether or not they're consistent or they're making the right calls all the time they're they're human and there's always been a human element of of that of refereeing before var there's always that element as well and i think that's something that i think a lot of these managers are losing sight of is that they're there to rule the ref the refs are there to rule the the way the game is written and the and the laws of the game. And that's all it comes down to. Now, you can agree whether or not the technology is there or the technology is not there. That's a different story. The way that they've seen the game play and the way that they're, they're judging and calling it is the way that they think that the law should be interpreted. That's it. End of story. Move on. You know, I'm sorry that that's the case. And you know what? Arteta, if you guys had scored two goals, it wouldn't have mattered. So, you know, there's a little bit of both in that. And I think, like I said, it's easy for these guys to go out there at the podium and and say their piece and say, well, this is a disgrace or whatever. But in reality, that's the, the rules of the game. Had he been playing at that time and something happened, uh, you know, okay, that's game, move on, and that's it. Um, but we're in a different place now, I think, 
you know, holistically as a society. And that's a different story altogether, different conversation. But I think it plays into some of these calls and the way that these refs are being treated. And I honestly think it's not, it's not appropriate. I think that, you know, technology, yes, if we're going to do VAR and we're going to do technology, do it right. We've seen it with, with Europa and, and UEFA with the way that they have the lines called and that technology should absolutely be implemented in the Premier League. And, and let's be honest though, the Premier League said, we don't want it. Um, whether that was the owners or that was the managers or a combination of both, they didn't want that system where you could instantly have the ball called out if it's out and same with offside where that technology is in play. So everyone needs to just shut up, play the game and you know what, let the play on the field rule itself. That's harder than it sounds, but because when it happens to your team, you want to go up and uproar and say, this is bullshit, but that's everything. Everyone happens. It happens to every team and um, not, you know, it's there. No one's singling you out. So yeah. I think that everyone needs to remember that as well. So um, we see it in all sports too. So it's yeah, not exactly. just soccer. So I mean, ref, let the refs ref the game. Focus on what you can affect and change, and 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 you know, get a, get a result if you can. And at the end of the day, this is just this is football. We've, I mean, we've seen the hand of God a long time ago, but that affected the World Cup, and right, you know, it, it fucking happened. So who cares now? Nothing's exactly. going to change that. So exactly, exactly. Um, just to quickly hit on, uh, Forest lost to, or Forest beat Villa 2-0. So uh, Villa kind of lose some steam here and 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 getting top five. But I just wanted to, you know, quick ten seconds, just a round of applause, congratulations. Sheffield get their first win of the year. And I honestly thought, honest to God, thought this might actually never happen. Um, and, you know, whoever, it was Wolves this time. But if you lose to Sheffield, I mean, you can get like negative points for that, honestly, at the end of the day. That's just embarrassing. Um, but just wanted to give Sheffield a shout out. We kind of shit on them all year. So congratulations on on your first win. One win, gotta add it, gotta gotta have one. So congrats to them. Maybe they got a couple more points now, as we saw with Luton when they got their first result. Um, mm -hmm. Tough. Just a, a, a side note: uh, as we mentioned, Spurs in the top half of the show. They have to go to Molyneux um, this week, which will be, as we all know, is a tough place to go play, especially after losing to a team like Sheffield with some injuries. Oh, yeah. So just keep an eye out for that one as well. Um, but you know, another team that continues to struggle, Daniel, is Burnley. And we've touched on them a little bit. What is going to happen with this team? Um, you know, they're just continue to put in poor performances and, and they lose 2-0 to, to Crystal Palace. My, my, my The question I sort of haphazardly ask you, because I know the answer, is is can can Burnley sack Vincent Company at this point or do they kind of let the, the cards roll and be where they are given that it was kind of expected they weren't going to stay up? Um, but do you, do you kind of ride the course or do you do you make a change here so you have two options and so i'll bring kind of the holistic approach to this conversation so there's four teams with around either six points or less and there's a five point gap so unless you know everton or or someone else is thrown into the mix here three of these four teams are going to get relegated so number one you ask yourself all right, if we sack company here, do we think we can survive? If that question is yes, then you do it. But if you think, hey, the squad's not up to snuff, I we, we don't want to spend any more money in January, but company did such a good job in the championship. We're going to stick with our guy. This is a long-term vision, long-term plan. Then you stick with them. 
And, and maybe you have that conversation with company. Listen, I get you want to commit to this style of football, but can we try to mix it up a little bit to be more pragmatic? But it's, it's all about those internal conversations, and that's kind of where I'm at with, with those. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't think you sack him. Um, I think we've been hearing that he's going to be the next Pep Guardiola, the next manager of Manchester City in the future, and all these rumors. And of course, this was very early, and so you got you have a chance to have a guy like that on your on your staff, and you don't want to lose it if you're if you're me and my perspective for Burnley. To your point, though, they got to stay up, and I think if they can beat out the teams like a, a Luton or Bournemouth or Sheffield, you know, which are very doable, uh, all four teams are very very poor. Um, I think that, you know, you take the risk and, and you, you maybe change your style. I like the idea of maybe talking to them a little bit and saying, hey, we understand this is what we got here with, but that's not going to fly in this at this level. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think you sack them. I think if you continue to, you know, if you if you move down the table as we get closer and you're really looking at, you know, bottom bottom and, and Sheffield level, maybe you have that conversation. But I think they're OK for now. I think you're not going to change who's gonna, who's going to come in at this point anyway. Um, you gotta wait for Sean Dyche to get fired, maybe at Everton, and then <laughs> and then have him come and save you. So, um, you know, but one team, and, and you know, we mentioned just briefly, and we can we can get into the relegation uh, battle as we get closer towards the end of the season. But uh, moving into another league where there is no doubt of who the manager is for this squad, Daniel uh, Thomas Tuchel and Bayern Munich absolutely put the pedal to the metal against. Dortmund and just blew him out of the water. It started early and it continued all the way through a four nil win. Uh, this wasn't even a, a matchup at some point. It looked, it looked like a class of David versus Goliath. And uh, that's surprising to me. Absolutely. And kind of caring uh, with your, your little analogy here, Dortmund are on their highway to hell because that was a brutal loss. Um, you, you know, when you could see, three minutes into the game off a corner. That's just not how you start a game. That's how you beat yourself. Um, and I, we had a follower of the show, Ewan. He, he does uh, Charlotte FC content with Crowncast. He, he tweeted, and, and I couldn't agree more. Um, so, so Bayern aren't that good this year. This is just showing how bad Dortmund are. And we've seen Dortmund play well in big games and struggle in mid -tier, with mid-tier opponents, but they completely rolled over. Um, and it, it just was a shame to see. And, you know, it's kind of looking like, I mean, Dortmund still can get top four, but it's going to be the same old, same old Bundesliga. We, we get excited every year that maybe someone will knock Bayern off their perch, but it doesn't happen. Um, but, you know, we'll see. And I was pretty disappointed. I thought it was going to be more back and forth. And uh, I was pretty disappointed and let down by this match. Yeah, we've talked about it, how, how, the results were not indicative of the play that Dortmund was putting on the field. They do get, you know, they were undefeated going into this one and, but they never really stood out like they were going to kind of compete here. And um, of course, Bayern Munich losing in the cup on Wednesday was not, a, was not helpful. Uh, yeah. They got their full attention as well, especially given all the, the, the politics and the news and the, and the papers around that loss. And um, so you knew, you knew Bayern was going to come ready to go and, uh, unfortunately, you know, Terzic just does not have his guys ready. And you mentioned Umpacano scoring in the third minute and, and they went off on their way from there. And um, it is tough to say, you know, I, I was looking forward to, uh, you know, RB Leipzig potentially challenging and they, and they shockingly lose to Mainz on, on the weekend as well. And 
Uh, so who's going to really compete with Byron? I think the only team that we can talk about, Daniel, which we're all both very high on, is is your Bayer Leverkusen, who continue to win. Uh, they beat you know Hoffenheim, and uh, they're they're for real. And I think you're looking at a, a real two horse race here in the Bundesliga now. Of course, the matchup that's going to be the decider if all things continue on the path it's going is going to be that matchup in Leverkusen uh, later in the season when when Byron goes on the return leg after a draw at the Allianz Arena. And, um, you know, how is Xavi going to be able to, to slay Goliath, I guess, is the question, to use that reference twice in a matter of five minutes. I hope so. Um, and the way Leverkusen are just doing it is they're not even winning ugly. They're just winning in such a beautiful fashion here. And, uh, I mean, we talk about them a lot because they're the kind of darlings of the Bundesliga right now. But the outside backs are the ones that are making the difference. Um, with Xavi Ball and, and Grimaldo had two goals uh, this this week, but he's had five goals, three assists already, and Frimpong has had three goals and five assists. I mean, these are outside backs, wing backs more you're talking about, but I mean, when you're getting that production and then you have a Florian Verts, Boniface, Hoffman, and then guys off the bench like Horselek and, and Adley, and Patrick Schick hasn't even played a game yet. That's the scary part. I really do think they, they can go the distance, um, and uh, I'm just kind of in love with how, how they play. It will be interesting. Of course, they, they're they battling on two fronts, um, three fronts, actually. They're still in uh, Polka Cup as well, so uh, and as well as Europa, where we've talked about them being the, you know, the, the darling of that tournament and probably going to, uh, along with Liverpool, be the favorites there. So it is going to be interesting. Of course, they do separate themselves. Like I mentioned, it's really a two-horse race. Bayern, Bayern Munich and Leverkusen now a five-point cushion from Stuttgart, who again, who again dropped points. I say that again, Daniel. This is this is the story now. Uh, you know, formerly second-place team, they lose Garassi and uh, and they and they start to kind of falter a little bit. I don't think any of us really expected them to go the whole distance, but now sitting third and and like I said, a, a surprise loss on the weekend. Um, and then of course. The continued fall of a, of a team that we've been talking about, you know, pretty regularly on the show is, is Union Berlin. Just to wrap around uh, the Bundesliga quickly, and and they're now currently 16th after a really tough loss to Eintracht Frankfurt, three nil on the weekend, and and they have Champions League this week too. So um, things are really looking dire for for Union Berlin, who um, we thought was going to be a nice story and continue that story, but it looks like that may be all she wrote um, for Union Berlin, but. To continue another good story, because I don't want to have us down on a, on a sour note, there is a team that is surprising, and we are now pretty far along into a season where you almost think they're going to be for real, Daniel, and that's in La Liga, who, uh, after Madrid dropped points this past weekend, surprisingly, uh, you are looking at Girona, who are atop the table in La Liga after 11 weeks. You've been high on this. I know you've you brought this story to my attention early in the season and thought I, I dismissed it. But again, excuse me, 12 weeks now. Um, they are atop the table, two points clear of Real Madrid. What are, what are your take on what are your takes on Girona at this point? They they're they're another fun team to watch. And and they're very um they don't always they're not always like dominant either. So some they've gone down multiple times this year, even down two goals and have come back and won the game like four two. That's what happened this week. Um and it's it's very interesting, and obviously that's not gonna. They can't keep doing that. Like that's not sustainable. But they are free flowing, um, and they got a great squad. The squad they built was very 
charismatically and, and just kind of pick pieces here and there. Um, 10, one and one, like you said, second best goal differential, mostly because they score just so many goals. Dubovnik, the striker, Ukrainian 26 year old has six goals and four assists already. He's been phenomenal. Um, you got Savio on the wing. Um, and then you got, you know, a couple of Barca rejects who have been kind of really stepping up their the game. And you even got Daily Blit, who couldn't even believe he's still playing football at this point. I mean, he just feels so old, but it's it's a great story and and I'm 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 here for it. I'd love someone else other than you know the usual athletic Madrid. Of like Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona to kind of challenge, and I'm just hoping they can keep this run, this run going for sure. And you mentioned those those three big squads, and I want to get to them in a second here, but also want to touch quickly on Daniel. We we at the beginning of the season we mentioned who we thought was going to round out the top four in La Liga. Both of our two teams are battling it out right now in fifth and sixth, um, which is Athletic Club, who you had as fourth, and and Real Betis, who I had as fourth, and. My question to you is, is Girona going to slip enough that either one of those teams gets in? Or are we really looking at our top four right now as it stands with, you know, 11 games, 12 games in uh, a long way to go. But are you confident that Girona will take one of those top four spots away from either one of those two squads that we picked out early in the season? Um, That's tough. I just don't think how they are playing, they can keep sustaining I mean, 10, one and one is an absurd record. Um, I think top five, but four is asking them a lot. They still got to play the big boys and Real Madrid humbled them. So they still got to play Barca, Athletic Madrid and everyone around them. So it's going to be up to those games to see if they're really about it or not. Um, But I still like them to kind of maintain that top five, top six status for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think their points separation gives them an advantage, right? Um, they're about 11 points clear of those two teams. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think that they're they're up there for a while. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Now a team that, uh, like I said, I want to touch on the three big boys in La Liga and, and just kind of um, one, one victor, uh, one draw, and a surprising loss out of that group. Um, Real Madrid, as we mentioned, dropped points to, to Rayo Vallecano, uh, which was surprising. Um, and then... Barca edge out a win against Real Sociedad and, and Atleti lose to Cadiz. I'll let you take the floor and take us where we're going on this one. But those were three pretty interesting and surprising results all around. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about Madrid because we've mentioned this before at Real Madrid too, just to specify. Um, and you kind of see, you kind of seen what I've said maybe in the past a little bit kind of come to fruition here that they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and, and they finally were not bailed out by Jude Bellingham. Um, and Vinny Jr. has yet to step up. Rodrigo is, is not being good. Jose Luz kind of hot and cold. And you need these three players to step up because Jude just cannot keep sustaining what he's been doing, um, even though he might be one of the best, if not the best player in the world. He needs these guys to step up. And Ancelotti's kind of got to maybe put a foot up there the other attacker's ass a little bit. Hey, like it's time for you guys to start producing here and score some goals. Um, so it's going to be interesting how Ancelotti kind of manages that. Um, but they are, I mean, Real Madrid have kind of been just being carried by Jude and I'm not sold on them yet. And I think the Liga is still very wide open based off this, 
But uh, maybe if they address it a little bit in in the in January, they can kind of fortify the league. But I'm I'm just still not convinced with this with them yet. It will be interesting to see what kind of moves they make. Of course, they are rumored to be the front runner, if not the let's call it a lock for Mbappe in the summer, uh, as a lot of people are, are donning it. So it will be interesting. I think to your point, and I completely agree with you. I mentioned it earlier in the in the year as well that they need a number nine. They're missing that once Benzema left, and and Jude was only able to fill so much. And of course, you know that covers up a lot of cracks when he when he delivers, but he's not going to be able to deliver week in week out, especially twenty years old, and uh, in, in one of the best teams and one of the toughest leagues in the world. So it's going to be an interesting one. Now, another team that's looking for some goal scorers, Daniel, they, that's Barcelona. Uh, surprisingly, they they looked really raw and really had a rough match on Saturday against Real Sociedad, who we've talked about as a really good good squad, Champions League squad. And they gave Barcelona everything they could ask for. You know, Ter Stegen kept Barcelona in it for basically the entire match. And then um, an absolute worldly of a ball from Gundogan to, to Rahu basically in the 90th minute to give them to steal. Let's say what it was. They stole three points from Real Sociedad on this one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially the first 20 minutes were all Real Sociedad and it was looking pretty dire. Um, Both teams had good chances. Still yet to see, you know, Robert Lewandowski and Rafinha and and those players coming back to injury kind of establish themselves. Now, you did see Pedri make his first appearance. I think this is his first appearance since the injury. So that's going to be huge for them in the future. Um, and I'm sure he'll get minutes midweek to kind of maintain that fitness. But xavi uh, has got some work to do with this team. I mean, Jao Felix came on the scene hot, um, but it's kind of simmered off since then. So he needs to get uh, their strikers firing. And that's what they have not been doing. Lewandowski struggled this year. Ferran Torres has been hot and cold. Um, so you'd like to see um, Barca not have to rely on the youngsters as much, like Lamine Lamal and, and Gavi and all them, and, and have those experienced players step up a little bit. So uh, I'm still bullish on on how Barca is going to be, especially that they survived the injury crisis. But this is why they pay Xavi the big bucks, and and they need to he needs to get them firing again. Yeah, you mentioned firing and, and goal scoring. Of course, between those three big teams, only one goal scored. Uh, which we mentioned Barcelona getting the goal and, and uh, Madrid losing to to Las Palmas uh, 2-0, surprising there as well. Um, of course, they still have a game in hand with, on everybody, but they're now sitting in fourth, four, uh, six points, excuse me, out from first and and four points from Real Madrid. So an interesting one there as well. Excuse me, 2-1. They did get a goal on that one. So uh, two goals scored between the three big boys against really lackluster uh, you know, uh, opponents. I, they were my pick. They were cruising, Daniel. They were looking great. Antoine Griezmann was just putting balls in the back of the net and making guys look look like world-class players, and he's kind of slowed down a little bit. And uh, I still stand by it. I think Diego Simeone knows what he's doing. And, of course, uh, they, they took out Real Madrid earlier in the Madrid derby, and they get Barcelona soon. And uh, so we'll see what happens there. But it's an interesting race, an interesting race in La Liga at this point. I, I do want to mention something that's just absolutely absurd, and I was doing – I was just looking at the match on Friday between Madrid and Las Palmas, and I happened to notice that Las Palmas are, are in 10th place, which is pretty good for them. They're 5-2-5, and five, which is not a great record, but they their goal difference is minus one. They've scored 10 goals and conceded 11 goals after 12 games. I mean, that's, that's absurd. 
That I mean, I, I don't think I've seen that before. They just park the bus, keep it tight, and then they'll go and nick one at the end. Um, so I just thought, I mean, they've won they've won four out of their last five with with ten goals in twelve games. I mean, how I, I don't know how that works, but that's just incredible. Yeah, and keep in mind they are they are a newly promoted side as well. So doing doing a hell of a job. Um Mourinho their, needs to go team. there. That's yeah. like a Mourinho dream right there. Agreed. Agreed. Well, he's doing okay at Roma for now. We'll get to that in a second. And great transition into Italia, Italia, Syria, uh, um, where Inter, Daniel go and they get a big three points against Atalanta and now sit two points clear. Um, it's kind of their league at this point. I would imagine we all agree. I know we've talked yeah. about Juve a little bit and, and, but uh, they went ugly against Fiorentina this weekend, but AC Milan dropping more points against Udinese and, uh, this is Inter's league, is is it not? Yeah, no, absolutely. And they're they're firing on all cylinders. I mean, that there was a ball that set up the PK to to win it. Um, Kyle Hanglu just he's such a good striker of the ball, and he had one of the nicer passes I've seen this weekend. It was one of those where you're just watching and you inaudibly say something. You're like, oh, because of how good the pass was. Um, yeah, Inter are the team to beat. They look great. Impending any injury crisis, I I think they will go and, and win this Serie A pretty convincingly, which is a shame. Um, but hey, they're they're a legit team. I I've, I've been an Inzaghi doubter at times, and he's completely proven me wrong this and last year going to the Champions League final. Um, but yeah, I've been very impressed with how they play, and and their recruitment's been very smart and frugal, and uh, I've been really impressed. And then to kind of pivot over, Juve. I don't know how they do it. They keep winning. They keep winning by one goal, um, and they're getting healthy, and that's the scary part. So maybe they will eventually choose not to to win ugly, but you never know with Allegri. Yeah, and, and don't want to spend too much time on Allegri ball. It really pains me to watch. Uh, yeah. But you know, to to kind of take it to the other Milan team, of course, AC Milan, who continue to struggle. Uh, we, we'll touch on them later on in the show as well when we when we preview. Uh, Champions League a little bit, but Pioli's having a tough time right now, Daniel, and it's it's not looking pretty. And uh, you wonder what's going to happen there. Of course, a lot can play for in the Champions League if they can advance into the knockout stages and, and see what happens. But no wins in their last four. They currently sit six points back, and you got to watch out because Napoli are winning uh, consistently again, and they're right behind them in fourth. So um, you know. Don't want to spend too much time here, especially with with Milan kind of stepping away and, and kind of losing ground. And uh, but uh, we touched on uh, Atalanta, who lost and, and sit fifth. Bologna, who sits sixth. And I know there are some stories in here that you wanted to touch on briefly, especially with with a you know 41 year old young young manager who's who's starting to kind of take take shape here a little bit. Absolutely. And if you told me Bologna. We're going to be six at this point. I, I would have probably called you crazy. They're not exactly one of those teams that are, is very well known or, or very popular in Syria. But the ex player, Tiago Mota, you probably, Matt, remember him from his days at PSG as the, the maestro in that Laurent Blanc team uh, with, you know, Ibrahimovic and, and Cavani and all them. But uh, another very brilliant mind. Um, and you kind of knew like him and the likes of Perlo and Xabi Alonso, those like deep holding midfielders, a lot of them become coaches. We're seeing that a lot to the new, new and upcoming managers like Xavi and all of them as well. We're all centered 
center defensive center mids, which is very interesting trend that I'm seeing, but uh, they play really good ball. They beat Lazio on Friday uh, and they've done great business. You know, they, they signed Xerxy who I've mentioned before, Lewis Ferguson, um, Salamakers from AC Milan. And then they got one in, and got Carlson from AZ Alkmaar, who hasn't hit the ground running yet, but I'm sure Tiago Mata is gonna gonna get the best out of him. So I just wanted to shout out how how good Bologna had been. Um, and then you mentioned Roma with the the late goals, two in extra time. Um, finally got to see Sardar Asmund do something since his move to, from Leverkusen. And Roma, they find a way to win sometimes. They do. Um, we were talking earlier on about Jose Mourinho potentially getting sacked, and, and now they sit seventh in the table and uh, look really good in, in Europa League as well. And uh, Jose's kind of ridden the ship. I think maybe that speech about just playing with what they had a, a couple weeks ago and kind of taking some of that pressure off his team, and they're, they're starting to move uh, up the table. And you never, like I said, keep an eye out for Jose Mourinho's teams, especially in tournaments. And uh, you never know what you're going to get there. But Moving into the rest of the world, Daniel, there was some some interesting matchups uh, across France and across uh, Eredivisie, as well as some some Portuguese news. But the big one for us, and we not too much of a shocker, we both called Nice winning this one against Rennes. Uh, they win convincingly, and then of course PSG crush Montpellier. Uh, you know Zaire Emery continues to just flourish and, and show off. Um, but it's it's an interesting time, and uh, you know. Can PSG continue to to keep pace with Nice? Of course, I think we both agree. But uh, how long is is this going to last for Nice? Is the question. I don't see it lasting very much longer, but they they just keep winning, so it's kind of hard to say. And you know, PSG are kind of starting to to hit form here and firing on all cylinders. Warren Zaire Emery has I think six goal contributions in the last five. And just real quick, something funny is it's a very tight at the top. Um, Nice are at 25 points, PSG at 24, and Monaco at 23. So as close as you can get. Um, so league league one is kind of looking more a little bit more interesting than Bundesliga and both call them farmers league, but I'm I'm kind of liking the competitiveness in, in League Goon. It it is known as the Farmers League, yes, and one other league that might be considered Farmers League, and we're not diminishing any of the leagues. That's why they kind of sit in this rest of the world category for us as Air Divisie and We've touched on Ajax and their struggles a lot as well, but they do get round of applause for them as round well as we did for Sheffield. Two round wins in a row. Two wins in a row, Daniel. They have a big matchup this weekend, in, or not this weekend, on Thursday in uh, Europa as well. So they're they're kind of on a potential little winning streak, as they say. Maybe they're turning things around there after a dismal start. Uh, PSV, of course, get the W as well in their match and and sit atop the table in Eredivisie and then a, but a nice tight battle. You mentioned kind of league uh, becoming a little tight. We also have a tight battle in the Portuguese league. Uh, Benfica, Sporting, and Porto, of course, the three teams that you would associate with that league, all really tight at the top and uh, going to be an interesting battle. And of course, uh, Benfica struggling at the Champions League level, but uh, Porto uh, looks to probably advance from their group. And it's an interesting time in the Portuguese league as well. But um, as we transition, just kind of want to make sure that we give our listeners an opportunity to engage with us. And again, follow us on X at Full Time Roundup. Um, you can follow Daniel at Liverpool CLTFC. You can follow myself at M Gesslin. Please download and like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating. It goes a long way uh, to spreading the brand, as Daniel likes to say. Now, one other thing that we want to touch on is we've been adding leagues here and there, and we want to touch on MLS, who 
Uh, Daniel are now almost through the second round, second match rounds. Let's not call it the rounds. Let's call it series. the second, second. Yes, exactly. But they're second fixtures of the series. Um, so now we got it because it's very confusing. Why would we make this very easy for everybody? Uh, Sporting KC does knock off St. Louis. Daniel, I was not surprised by this. I told you I thought this was going to happen. KC, Sporting KC, one of the perennial powers in MLS, and and St. Louis, a great story. Um, you know, a, a expansion squad this year, number one seed in the West, but they get tossed. Dallas do tie it up in their series. Uh, of course, Cincinnati, which we expected the top seed in the East, absolutely destroy New York Red Bulls, which is music to my ears and penalties. And then LAFC wraps up their series against Vancouver. Anything that you want to touch on in MLS or, um, or like we said, maybe wait till we get to the knockout when it gets interesting. MLS is just such a wild league. Um, you know, LAFC, I don't know if you watched that. They called a goal back because the referee literally body checked a player um, when Vancouver was about to shoot on top of the box. And then I don't, I didn't really, I'm not familiar with the Vancouver, Vancouver uh, coach, but he had a shirt that says like, I am Vancouver or something of that nature. And he was just going fucking ape shit on the sideline. Got a red card too. And just him getting sent off with the graphic of that shirt was one of the more funny, funniest things I've ever seen. It was just MLS after dark as Tom Bogert likes to say. And I was absolutely here for it. Now, Kind of to pivot to another soccer league. Um, ben did not. It was very quiet uh, in our chat between me and Matt yesterday as NCFC beat Independence and and PKs. And I I, I know Matt uh, is a gigantic Independence fan, so I didn't want to. I wanted to give him a nice twenty four hours to to do whatever he needed to do before we spoke on it. But it was a pretty good final. Um, like you said, Raleigh, Raleigh showed out and it was a great atmosphere. They got a great uh, park, uh, soccer park out there that I, I actually used to train at quite a bit and been to a, a ton of games growing up. And that side of Raleigh carry was kind of where I grew up. So um happy that my boyhood club kind of clinched this uh, no matter how it happened. And uh, do you kind of want to give a little insight, a little 24 hours post react uh, to this game? Yeah, I mean it was an it was a fantastic match. Final you could ask for. Um, both teams expansive and and a lot of chances on both sides. And then of course, uh, you get zero zero in regu in regulation. Go to extra time. Uh, Independence go up in the first in the first half of extra time on a on a header by Hector Acosta, which was great off a corner and places going. Well, your side of the field's going quiet. Our side was going pretty nuts. Shout out to all the ultras and mech reserves who went up there and uh, filled two buses worth and, and really showed out and made a lot of noise. And then uh, you guys get a, a late, uh, I think, 113th minute equalizer, which really got the place rocking. Almost got a, a winner, actually, after that. You guys just had the momentum going into PKs and uh, a really painful way to lose any kind of final. Um, no one wants to see finals go down to PKs, but that's just the way it is sometimes. And um five four in, in pks you guys didn't miss one uh we missed one and, and that's the that's the game but again like you said great atmosphere great great environment great facility on grass um which is rare and and just the way that the the boys played from my perspective uh you know they we were extremely proud of them as a, as a club as a, as a city um and, and there's big things to come from charlotte independence of course ncfc will, will move up to 
USL championship next year. So they're no longer in league one. It's not a promotion relegation. They were, it was already announced they were moving up, but uh, independence will be a force to be reckoned with next year. And, and again, shout out to those guys. Keep your heads up guys. It's a, you did, you did us proud and, and we're excited to back you guys for next year into the future too. So um, Daniel, I know we covered a, a extensive amount of football there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break on the other side of the break though. We're going to do our players of the week. And then we're going to give you a quick, I mean, an absolutely quick preview of UCLA, UCLA, UCL and Europa League uh, matchups. And Daniel will give you some of his bets going into those matchups as well. So uh, we'll be right back. And welcome back to the full-time roundup. I mentioned UCLA. We are not talking about college basketball yet. We are talking about the Europa Champions League, Daniel. And a quick little preview for some of the matchups that we have here this week. Some good ones, some tasty ones. Uh, as we mentioned last time, uh, these are the reverse fixtures of the previous match, uh, just at the different arena from the previous matchup. That's a little confusing of way of saying it's a home and home, for those of you who know that is. So uh, if your team was on the home side, they are now the away side and vice versa. But Daniel, the big ones that we want to touch on are, of course, Group F, Group of Death is still wide open. Uh, they have the return fixtures. So Dortmund will be hosting Newcastle this time around. Any Any thoughts here? Of course, Two sides of the coin going into this one, one on a high and one on an absolute, you know, low at this point. I lean Newcastle just because they lost at home to Dortmund and, and Dortmund just got bumped. But this could be a perfect get right game for Dortmund at the same time. So I'm going to go like a one, one draw. I think that's a great result. I think Newcastle will be thrilled with that. I'll take that same one, one draw. Uh, flip side of that group, of course, is AC Milan, who we touched about earlier. Can they get the big one against PSG? I know this is a question that you've had. So I'm going to let you answer it. Does AC Milan get the result they need at home against PSG? No. No, I think PSG honestly kind of roll over AC Milan here. Probably 3-1 is what I'd say. Um, it really depends on if Pulisic is going to be back for this one because they, they looked pretty toothless without him. Peel has got to get the best out of Rafa Liao as well, um, which he has kind of failed to do this season. Um, but, uh, but yeah, now I'm going to, I'm going to lean hard with PSG. Could be tough times for Piola after this one, if that's the case. So keep an eye out for that. I don't think anything happens right away, but uh, they've been struggling. Uh, if it's a big blowout at home, could be some news to, to look out for. Uh, another one we want to talk on is Atleti, who just lost, like we talked about earlier in the top half. They play Celtic, who somehow drew a result out of them. No Rodrigo DePaul, of course, too, with the red card. Uh, does Celtic continue this, or does Atleti right the ship here? Atleti kills Celtic here. Um, they shouldn't have even been a match at um, Celtic. Um, they have plenty of guys like Wilmar Barrio or... I think it's Wilmar Barrios and, and a couple other youngsters who can who can step up. Marcus Urante is a great player who hasn't played that much. So I think Athletic get it done very comfortably here. Celtic might get one late, but I'm going to say like a 3-4-1. One. one that we want to touch on just quickly, and it, uh, they're clear. They're going to advance. They're going to make the group stage or knockout stage as Barcelona. But my question to you, Daniel, is does Xavi play his starters? Or does he give him some rest for La Liga? I know there's some players that he probably wants to give some time just to get back in form. But does he play the full starting lineup here for this one after they are perfect in the group stage? A little bit of both. I think like Pedri will get a start. De Jong will get a start. 
um, Lewandowski, Rafinha, because he's got to get those guys kind of firing, and this is a perfect game to get the confidence up against a, a pretty lowly Shakhtar. Um, it's also played in Poland, so there's not really an away atmosphere or they're not really home game either. Um, so I, I'm pretty confident Barca are going to mix it up a little bit. I don't think like Jao Cancelo will start. I think someone will slide in it right back for him. Um, but kind of mixed lineup here and rest of the guys who have been kind of carrying the load for for majority of the season while people have been healthy. So I think Barca dismantles Shakhtar a little bit here as well. Couldn't disagree with you more. I think that's going to be – I couldn't agree with you more. Excuse me, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> uh, now, stop me if you've heard this before, Daniel. We're 40 minutes into the show, and we've yet to talk about Manchester United, who did win on the weekend. But it was a lowly performance, and now they have a tough task of going to Copenhagen, who have been tough at home. Can Manchester United get the W? And also, if they do, how important is it for Eric Tenha that he gets two wins in a row? At this point in the season, yeah, this is the perfect time to, to grab a grab a result here. I do think they'll get the win. They still can play like shit all they want. They'll somehow win like one or two now, um, not convincingly. But hey, like we always say, winning cures all. A win's a win. Three points, and it could be huge for how that um, how that group's going to shake out. Yeah, completely. I mean, they have to get this win. Uh, it's have just to. It's, have to get it. Uh, there's nothing else you need to say about it. Uh, switching gears quickly before we get into our players of the week and then Daniel's best bets on these Europa night games, European night games, uh, is Europa. Uh, Daniel, we mentioned Ajax. They need a win against Brighton. Do they get this win against Brighton on Thursday? No, I don't think so. Um, they might get a draw, though. I feel like a draw is not out of, out of the question. Brighton have been kind of a yo-yo as of late, so... I'm sure Deserby is going to want to win pretty badly. Um, but this, I'm going to say like a 2-2 draw. Keeps both teams in the group, to be yeah. honest, too. So I agree with that. Uh, another one at Atalanta. Can they bounce back after this weekend? Yeah. No, I think they will. They're they're a great sign. They kept it close with Inter, which I was impressed with. They kind of passed the eye test there. So I think Atalanta will go on and win this group anyways. Yeah, tough, tough to say that they played poorly when they lost 2-1 against the league leader. So I agree with you. I think they they roll through. Uh, West Ham could really use a performance, Daniel. They they lost again um, this past weekend in, in Premier League and been struggling a little bit. Can can David Moyes get them on track again uh, at home? This is a big one at home. Yeah, I think so. Just because the at-home aspect, we almost had a, a classic Matt Cooler moment when he said West Ham are in free fall and then they go on and, and score two consecutive goals. Ended up losing the match. So, uh Matt ended up coming off okay, but I was poking a little fun at him uh, after that conversation. But yeah, I do think West Ham get it done. He was going to start a tally, and I think uh, for those of you that don't know, it's a real thing. He finally starting to realize it's a real thing. But um, we'll definitely cover those matches on Thursday's episode as well when we break down uh, these games as well as give you some predictions for the weekend. Uh, but Daniel, one of our favorite segments is always the case uh, is our players of the week. Um, want to touch on those real quick and uh, I'm happy to take us through our goalkeepers and defenders and then you can take us through our midfield and attackers of course again we do a 3-4-3 for those that are new to the show just to give um, a little bit more of the stats uh, but there are times when players don't have the best stats and they just they dominated or showed up on the sheet uh, and we give them some some flowers as well but for me uh, I think both of us again we do this together uh, Ter Stegen was our goalkeeper in the back Kept Barcelona in it. Of course, they get the clean sheet, uh, an easy one for us. Uh, in the back, um, Grimaldo, 
again, two goals and, and this guy just continues to score goals, mainly free kicks, but some, some fantastic goals as well. Uh, and they're just brilliant finishes. Uh, Upa Meccano, again, we touched on it for Bayern Munich, gets gets the opener uh, with a header off the corner. And then uh, Ronald Arohu for, for Barcelona steals the three points um, against Real Sociedad. So uh, three, three defenders with goals this week. Yeah, love to see it. Um, and for the midfield, we got Sunset, two assists for Athletic Club. Um, he's a 23-year-old Spanish midfielder. Definitely keep an eye on him. He's he's a fantastic player. Um, Florian Verts with a goal. Um, he's just in dazzling form, as we've mentioned multiple times. Alexander Galavin, the, the Russian international from Monaco, he's kind of the the fulcrum of that squad, and, and he needs to produce if they're going to keep winning. So with a goal and assist there. And then uh, – a, a polarizing player, Bruno Fernandez for Manchester United. Um, at the end of the day, the, the gaffer, or not the gaffer, excuse me, the captain stepped up and, and got a much-needed goal here um, to, to give Man United uh, three points. He stepped for, up for the gaffer. He stepped, he did, up, for he the stepped gaffer. up for the gaffer. Yes, that is true. And um, for attack, we got Nico Jackson, you know, a hat-trick. He, there's been questions if he can be the guy at Chelsea. And scoring a hat-trick definitely – Definitely helps and eases that that talk. Um, even with an asterisk on that one. Even with Chelsea an asterisk. Fan. But uh, Chuba Akpalm, two goals off the bench for Ajax. He was kind of the signing, the big signing that was supposed to spur Ajax on. Scored a shit ton of goals in the championship from Burrow last year. And he's finally got his his two goals. Um, so good good for him to bounce back. And then Dubovnik, um, one goal to assist for, for Girona, the Ukrainian. Um, striker um, for player of the week. I had Harry Kane kind of hard to leave him out when he scores a hat trick in the classic her. Uh, how about you, Matt? Uh, player we mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, Jeremy Doku goal four assists. Yeah. Anytime someone has four assists, it's automatic. So add the goal on top of that. Can't really go wrong there. Uh, young player of the week for me was Florian Verts, who again, continues to get on the score sheet with a goal. Uh, and their win and uh, Bayer Leverkusen's win. And um, I know you had a repeat uh, performance for your young player of the week, but boy, has this kid been fantastic. Yeah, Warren Zaire Emery, his his goal was fantastic. I mean, that back heel from Dembele was was great, but he had the composure just to absolute rifle it top, top ends. He's just in a vein of form now and wouldn't be surprised if he scores against Milan or assists. Wouldn't put it past them, that's for sure. And uh, taking us into that nice segue for for Champions League, you mentioned uh, PSG versus AC Milan. Generally, uh, we will have Thursday be our uh, intro to the betting week. But of course, with Champions League and Europa League uh, midweek, we want to give you some bets going into those. So Daniel will take us through just those games. We will preview and give you the bets for the domestic league on Thursday's show. So please listen in for that. Uh, but Daniel, take us home with some some bets for the listeners and who are going to watch some Champions League and Europa League midweek. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. And just to preface this, we, we had a profitable weekend, um, 3-2 best bets, and we lost the the parlay, but still up a unit, up 27.25 units all time. So first for the parlay of the week, and I'll update the recap of the, of the, the record um, for Thursday, but the parlay is PSG Moneyline, um, which honestly, full disclosure, I would take straight up. Uh, it's pretty juicy. Um, Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, Barca, Napoli. Um, did not get have the chance to calculate this because my book just came out with the lines, but those are the five that I loved. And I'll have the, if 
it hits or not, I'll have what what the odds were. Um, best bets: PSG Milan over three. This match is going to soar over three. Um, City versus over three and a half with young boys. City at home, they're going to probably do the same exact thing they just did against Bournemouth. Um, 6-1, 5-1, 4-1, something like that. Especially because young boys kind of kept it close um, against them uh, at, at the reverse fixture. You got Barca, one and a half um, against Shakhtar. I think this is going to be like a 3-0 game anyways. And then Haken Molde over three. I think there was like seven or eight games in the reverse picture or goals, excuse me. So I think three is a pretty easy number. And then last but not least, which will be the bonus bet over three, Atletico Madrid, Celtic. Um, I think this will be like a four, one kind of game. So no, no sweat there. And, and thank you for listening guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, make sure you like Matt said, like subscribe, download, rate the podcast to help us spread our brand. Please interact with us on our Twitter at full time roundup. Follow Matt Gesslin on Twitter and harass him about independence and Chelsea at life of Gesslin. And you can always talk shit to me about uh, Liverpool's draw at Loon at Liverpool CLTFC. We will see you guys. Thursday.